This week on the No More Late Peace podcast, Jackie and I are joined by actor, singer, and writer, Renaly Santiago. You probably remember Renaly from his roles in movies like Hackers, Dangerous Minds, Con Air, and Punks. We're so excited to have him on our show. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. So, obviously, we were excited because we just did Hackers on our podcast, and it is a blast from the past. It is the like the clothes, the styles, and it just felt like all of you guys just felt so natural. Uh, it, obviously, you were acting, but it felt like you guys were really friends. It felt like you had this camaraderie. How was that whole process? I heard that you guys took a few weeks before starting production to just to get to know each other. Yeah, well, it was really awesome. And it's funny, uh, that part was just to learn rollerblading and to learn some basics on laptops and stuff like that. But it's always nice to hear that because it really was the acting. I mean, there, even though we did, we were friendly with each other right away, but it was more laid back still when you're meeting people. It's not like you're like, hey, let's go. What's going on? You know what I mean? Like, it's sort of like how we are now. You know what I mean? More laid back and calm and quiet. And, and then when you go to rehearsing let's do the scene that the, so it was like but again but even then we only did one scene in those two because it was a two-week rehearsal period but it was a training period again it was more for learning how to rollerblade which we would have like a training session schedule where it was like 10 a.m to like 1 p.m with the rollerblading guy teaching us how to like go up and down the highway the west side highway and then from like two to three doing computer class or something. So that's what really went on in those two weeks. Okay. And then we, yeah. And then we only did one scene for the director the very first day, I want to say that we officially started work training that day. And so he was a little shy. I, you know, this is in retrospect, and I only say for the audience to know how filmmaking usually works out and stuff. He was a little shy to ask because again, in tradition and film, you do, the filming don't rehearse so mm -hmm. um but he said can i hear a scene aloud whatever and the cute story with that is i don't remember what scene it was but it was a scene with all of us involved and it was just a two or three second moment of chemistry it was very fast and then we were all quiet and i remember there was a door that led out to a fire escape and we all just kind of sat there for a moment. And I remember Angelina was quiet also. And then she all of a sudden said, it's going to be good. And everybody was like, yeah, it's going to be good. Da, da, da. Yeah. And so that was like, so that was, a that's like the one rehearsal that we had those moments. And so it was good that, yeah, we all felt kind of speak there too, but that's really what happened. And everything else happened right there for the audience with the filming going on. And did you ever imagine that the internet would get to a place where it is now when you were doing this movie? Or was did it just feel like this kind of outside thing that we're just this group of people kind of having that touchstone to it? Yeah. Yeah, there was a sense that something was ahead in that direction that the shift was going to happen. But it, yeah, it didn't, it wasn't, happening yet when we made the movie so that was really cool to have because they did mention a few times like in the costume department and um more i think there once or twice i heard the phrase yeah because in the future we want to try to 
ta get that somehow. And so I thought, wow, that's a really cool task and undertaking to like try to project what might be what people are doing. And so and when those things, you never want to jinx anything. So I never said anything about it after they were just trying to do their, their task. And I was just there to play along. And, but I'm so happy for them because that was what they wanted to do. So I'm glad that they got that vibe and, and those kinds of things. I'm glad you brought up the fashion. Do you have any input in your wardrobe? Cause it was fabulous. Like that kitty cat t-shirt. Loved it. Like, all day, every day. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was funny enough. I had, none of us had any input on the clothes or hair. It was, we all kind of knew our lane, which was a very cool thing. And that was what went on from the very first day. Like there was nothing pushed, nothing, whatever. We were there for work and of course excited and all that, but just more, uh, what I did notice in the other cast and like, let's say actors, right, was that we all were very driven as artists and professionals. And we all sunk our teeth really into it. Like, and I could see even jo Jesse Bradford, who was 16 at the time, I was just, he was just he tickled me inside in a, in, in a, in, in a, in such a loving way, because I was like, look at this young man. Like he's such a young intellectual, like he is really going into this because he's nothing like he's smart, much smarter than, or not Joey's very smart in the film, but he is more socially confident. Jesse right. was as a person than Joey. So it was so cool that he could let himself go like that and make himself be, an outsider with, with that, that way he was. And so it was all so cool. And that's one of the things that I noticed about everyone. And, and so that's what we did. And then the fashion really was, so it was a dream come true in that aspect for me, because I do love fashion. And so people tend to think that maybe looking at my pages and things that I had anything to do, it was just the universe. And it was like, yay, because I was <laughs> like, oh, wow. Yeah. Cause I had been fan, a fan of fil films like Blade Runner and e yeah. And even like, like, what was that film with Nicolas Cage, like Valley Girl, it came to mind like the way Nicolas Cage was dressed in that and that was another thing that was odd to do on air with him late when life after that because I was like 11 years old when those so when that happened I thought of those films and I was like oh it's so cool like and so for instance uh, the initial plan I used to wear my hair in a ponytail a lot then uh um, like the hair I had in Dangerous Minds, right? Yeah. That I, that I did create for Dangerous Minds, but that was kind of like how I was ro rolling along. And so I remember in the hair meeting, they said, all right, because they showed me, they were all, they were all funny about how they would show us the first, you know, what this is, what it's going to be kind of thing. Cause they seemed respectful and, and sweet enough to think like, if we hated it, they were like a little afraid. They were like, okay, this is what we have in mind. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we would all be like, great, okay, yeah, yeah. And they'd be like, oh, okay, okay. Because they were also European. I oh, I remember the costume designer, he was from England. And then the other ladies that were here and kind of costume, they were like either French European or something. or So they were like very like, they didn't know we, they were being too out there. Yeah. Yes. But they had done a lot of research, of course, and you can hear them talking about going to Tompkins Square Park in the Lower East Side and places that they would get inspiration. But that was how that happened. And then so they, the initial plan would ask me, so they said, can we see your hair down? And so I said, sure. And then when I took it 
it out, they were like, ah, okay, leave. Because then they decided to leave it. I was like in my early 20s at the time. I was like, my hair is all crazy right now. What do you mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, didn't know. I, I was like not trying to be either or about the hit, whatever what they wanted. I was okay. But the initial plan for Phantom Freak was because then in this first meeting, I see, because that was not in the script the way we would dress it just there was only one reference to clothes and that was in my character's description that it said a dapperly dressed latino and that was just it and then everything else it seemed like a high school movie so i didn't we didn't know even in rollerblade rehearsal what we were going to dress like so um my i see all this leopard stuff for phantom freak and i'm like all into it again it was in my lane at that time yeah i was wearing uh, which was different for then, but I was wearing camouflage. Like mm -hmm. I remember I had a camouflage t-shirt with that was black and white uh, and I had a green one too. And I would pair that up with shorts and, and combat boots or something that I, that was different for then. But the leopard was very retrospective for then. And I loved, I, I was happy because it, it was very feminine for then. And it was also the prior to that, you would have seen it on Rod Stewart honestly yeah. or like rick james or or like mick jagger yeah and i right. see yeah yeah and i hadn't seen anything like that since so I, I and i was like totally done with it and then so what they were gonna do also was leopard print my hair i was gonna have a caesar oh, haircut wow. and then they were gonna do diet yes and so that was their call they had a print they had a drawing of me and leopard in the outfits but my hair was also leopard and so when they asked me to take it down it was their choice to leave it like that and so that's how that happened yeah but that was all pretty much that was a good choice well, it, it, look, it looked great i i if i think about the leopard that would have been fun but just having your hair and you had those natural beautiful curls it, it just worked yeah well, thank you thank you yeah uh Sure. Yeah, I would have been okay with either way. And then the kitty cat shirt is really funny because that during that era, that was a popular t-shirt you would see. I had seen it many times in Times Square in a novelty shop. And mm -hmm. so you would see it like where they sold like I Love New York mugs and stuff like that. And it was in the outside of the on the window and it was like on a mannequin torso. And nobody would buy that shirt at the time, <laughs> right. because it, especially since it was in that context at a novelty store. So when they pulled it out in costume, I thought, wow, that's so outside the box and, the, and it fits and it's so cool and then but i didn't know or expect what the reaction would be when it was on screen and it did light up like it did at the novelty shop and i didn't even know if it would show on screen that it was flashing when, when it was on but you just i just went along with it and and i'm glad that that showed up too yeah, yeah. the movie has such longevity and it's become a cult classic at this point generation after generation just keep finding it and falling in love with it did you get that feeling or did you feel like okay this is a good movie but you didn't envision that or not yeah you know what was really cool and i and i like that i've been very fortunate in all the movies i've made that not the future never comes up like we never the actors and the people creating it we're really in the moment and we don't, nobody like ever really says like, oh, this is going to be a hit or wow, I bet they're really going to look at this in the future or that this is going to like just be go come out and be gone or like, I mean, like we were in, we were in it and we were living it. 
and then also doing it with love and and for the best that yes like you do with a child you know what i mean it was the same thing it was like we all treated it like we loved it and we we cared for it with all our hearts and then we that was it and it was and i think you can really feel that and i think that's why it is a cult classic is because y'all do such a beautiful job in it and you take it seriously and it could have been this kind of like cheesy like computer movie but because you guys were so in it and the acting together it just really resonated into this really wonderful movie that you you just you want to be part of that group yeah you're you're like i can be a hacker (laughs) you guys definitely grounded anything that seemed maybe a little bit fan outside of the realm of reality your acting really grounded it to to bring it back yeah oh thank you well i know we we jumped right into hackers but you you started your career very early on what how did that evolution start what did you catch the acting bug? Like, how did you get into your career? Oh, thank you. And you just a quick thing on hackers too. I with you saying that it's so nice because I think it's also not to the director. Yes. Ian softly. Yes, because he's the one that brought us together, that selected us, and and that's it was his his orchestration that yeah. and. Yes, and in the music and bringing the team, selecting the those type of costume designers and everything else. So, just wanted to give him a mention and thank him on his behalf too. And and yes, and then about my acting career, I started very early on out of just loving music and performance as a little. When I was like five and six and seven, it was like I was that kid that would be like dancing in the, like in the circle. They would be like Michael Jackson playing or Madonna or Cindy Lauper, whoever, <laughs> in my time. And or that really funky 80s music. Oh, my goodness. That was just going on. And and so I love dancing. And I would and I remember I even got like a little award, like when I was like seven years old, a dancing award. And the uh, the song was Cars. I'm remembering now by who was that Rick O'Casey? I don't even know, but it was that jam, and it was a Farrah Fawcett poster, the one where yeah. she's in the in that classic poster. Yes, the red so tank top. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that that's how that was that era, and it was a current poster. Imagine, and that's <laughs> in my mind that yeah, and so that was that. So that was always alive in me. And I loved singing. And then when I was like already 14 and 15, there was someone in my school that was in commercials, a really beautiful Colombian girl with a great heart. And her name is Gina Lopez. And she was in the television world. And I just befriended her. And I told her I really loved arts and performing. And we just became natural. And she lived right, ironically right around the block from me. And we started, she started taking me to her school in Queens, New York. Uh, and, the, and the teacher, the woman there, she was a theater actress and Latina and it, it also loved representing Latino kids in the entertainment world and commercials and theater stuff, whatever it would pop up. So that got me into the theater world and into the scene in New York. 
And so it started when I was like 13, 14, and I was really excited to be part of off-Broadway off productions that were avant-garde stuff that was very innovative and 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 so it, it's it really formed a maturity in me a critical thinking a social socially aware kind of person and then as i got deeper into the arts and re and and it was a simultaneous passion that was inside me and also that was starting to happen i just kept going with it and then i got like managers that were more involved in film and television and that just kind of happened through a reference meeting because I was just immersing myself in yeah. theater and performing yeah and then that's when I went for Dangerous Minds when I was 19 and that was my film debut and that is what started it all so there's a yes and I mean I started very early on in the sense of paying what they say like paying dues in a mm -hmm. way yeah so what yes so like even though Dangerous Minds was my first film, there was a lot of preparation that happens as an actor before that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we definitely have to talk about your love of music. You're, you're an accomplished singer. And I mean, you've recorded with Mark Anthony and Paul Simon and Danny Rivera. I mean, the fact that you and Mark Anthony were both in Hackers together, that is just like worlds colliding kismet kind of thing was it from that instance that you guys got to know each other for you to be able to sing together later or yes yes mm -hmm. because even during the filming he was we he and i became very close friends and we were best friends for a short period then especially since again it was a professional kind of job situation we were all staying in the same hotel and stuff but Angelina and Johnny became a romantic pair and they were always in together. And um, I think Matthew had his girlfriend come out. And so he was really spending his time off with her. And so Mark Anthony and I, and then Jesse was 16. So he was like studying or whatever anyway. And then Mark and I were like decided, and he was so adventurous. I'm so grateful that on top of who he is and all that wonderful stuff, but that just as a human being that we were able to, to be come into each other's lives and and and, and share that, and he was so outgoing. I probably would have stayed near the hotel, believe it or not, just like hanging out, killing time. But he was like, "Let's go to the museum. Let's go to the movies. Let's go to a bar. Let's go here." So, like, I'm glad that he was so outgoing because it made me really enjoy London. We even had a, an instance once where, like, we went into one of those red light district strip teases. Mm -hmm. And we didn't even know what was going to go on. We were just like wandering, like, why not? Let's go in. Like, is somebody, what, someone dancing kind of at the window. So we got some drinks and then they bring us the bill. Oh, and then a girl comes out and does a dance. We're alone in the place. She does this really like neo cool, like weird dance. And she's like got her head shaved like Sinead O'Connor. And then in the very end of the dance, she just takes her top off and then her, she bends down and takes her bottom off and walks off. And we're like, me, we're just having, and then they bring the bill and it was like $400 oh my you know? and, and it was pounds. So it was like 800 American dollars probably oh, or something wow. like that. And Mark, thank God I was with Mark because he had enough money at that time anyway to handle it and not kill it. So he's like, so he, we both take it just like kind of laugh, like what? Oh, really? Like, he's like, but how did that? And she's like, well, that's what it is. And we're like, okay. And he's like, well, what, um, 
if people don't want to pay, what happens? And she's like, you see that guy over there at the door? And we're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and so like, <laughs> Mark, Mark, don't worry. So he ends up paying the bill and we leave. But that was an experience we had. So it was really, really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Mark referred me to when, when we finished the film. Sorry. Yeah. No, uh, with that. But yes, Mark, um, we hung out and stayed in touch and stuff. And then he was like, listen, I'm working on this Broadway musical with Paul Simon. And you just were, you were like the same as that character that because it tells me the story that there's this gang and, and that they bring this his character into the gang to, to, for protection in Hell's Kitchen in the 1950s and that it was based on a true story. It was very controversial. And lo and behold, I mean, he and I really did look and size-wise and everything like these two gentlemen that the piece was about. And he knew I was a singer. I had sung for him when we met and a little after we met and he was very impressed he was like my goodness he was like you should be making records like and so we he introduced me to paul simon and and paul simon was again an amazing human being we connected instantly i mean when you think of how magical i mean he just invited me to his apartment his penthouse in on central park west and it was kind of surreal i remember getting out of the elevator and him peeking out the door like half of his face and it's paul simon <laughs> he opens the door and come on in and, and that's and then it was yeah so mark connected me with paul simon for that and it was a big dream come true because i always wanted to be on broadway anyway and yeah, yeah and that's how that happened that's amazing so with your singing career do you do you feel like you just don't have to choose or is there one that really has your heart from an acting versus writing or singing I know they really all mean a lot to me. They're they're just all connected. I am, I guess, the place that I feel all of that comes together is in musicals. When you're in a musical theater piece, you are singing, dancing, and acting, and so that's and it's like really utilizes your artistic self um, in that performance way so i when i think about like them individually i kind of maybe go back to that and so mm -hmm. it's hard to break them apart yeah. yeah because yeah and especially since the musicals and stuff the acting is treated with so much importance along with the singing and along with the dancing that you just cannot not neither one is more important than the other even and if you're having actors that are not first singers, they bring out these incredible acting performances because of that, because it's treated equally. And that's like my home with it all. It really is. I just love it. I just, I'm curious. I just have to know what your favorite musicals are. <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, my first and, and favorite tends to be Avita. Mm. I, and there was a time in elementary school where my routine, this is, being a kid when you do things and you look back and you say oh my god that's so interesting but i my daily routine from like third to fifth grade was i would for lunch with my friend rosemary rogers we would go to her house i would be able to my mom gave me a five dollar allowance which was like so big that then i would buy like my friend's lunch i would buy like tuna fish and, and a tuna fish and italian bread and we would listen to a vita 
Mm-hmm. And every day, every day. So that, and what really blew my mind was Patti LuPone's voice, first and foremost, as a child. And the song, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina, and also numbers like No Cyrus, which was so funky, and her 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 rhythm, her phrasing in the in the number was just so impressive. And so, and then there were things to always admire that, and I realized today on a on a deeper level the prelude in the opening of the piece and the actual orchestrations and the song composition is amazing and the quality of voices that our Andrew Lloyd Webb assembles in that original cast recording is still very top notch to this very day so that's my first favorite and then my other deep favorite is hair hair yeah i also listened to that a whole lot while i was growing up and i listened to that one alone a lot and i would just kind of absorb the energy behind the music and the singing and the message at the time i think i was responding to the socially conscious expression in the piece that really yes because i for some reason i'm also a con- an activist and i'm also a poet and and that went on early on as well i for some reason stumbled upon some kind of strike protest it wasn't a strike it was a protest when i was like eight or nine years old and i got involved and then there's a funny story i'm in the paper my first time in the newspaper was holding up a a, a, a placard sign you know what i mean when i was like eight years old so and that was my first fame like muscle's gotta go <laughs> And so, yeah, and then, so that got tied into my performing arts work, and that's why uh, I, it really gives me a sense of truth and confidence in my acting, and that's what I think resonates with people, too, and and it went on deeply before Dangerous Minds, so when I got that role, I literally used it, too, as a platform, too, and even, like, when Hackers happened, I recognized that it was showing Latino in a different light than what was being yeah and so and then i always find an an intention with the work that ties into the world because it just so happens that the benefit of acting is reliant on in feeling things in common and that kind of thing so daylight with sylvester stallone where i played a recovering drug addict that was also informed by my real life observations and work and Con Air playing a, a transgender character that was also very informed by my real life and the, the clubs that I went to and hung out with as a gay youth and being that and breaking those boundaries alone in my feature film work all felt very activist conscious social change kind of stuff yeah that's really amazing that you were able to have that those opportunities and that you just found even if it wasn't presented from the start that you were able to figure out how to still bring those pieces of yourself into the characters that's amazing it's also thank you I, I also tip my hat off the fact that you were in the same room as Michelle Pfeiffer and didn't pass out because I feel like I would I, I, I love her so much. That's 
then that was your first movie and you're like on the set with all of these young actors and Michelle Pfeiffer. That's, that's a, that's a big step. <laughs> Thank you, Danielle. Thank you. It really was. I do not take it for granted. And I am so grateful to have had that be my introduction into this work. And it's, it's not always a lot of work always going on and, and roles, but I'm grateful that it's, it's my starting point and i still when i do things they always have a certain depth and quality to the productions and it opened those doors and then the other plight is just that there would be more diversity and inclusion in entertainment and it's i also feel it's my responsibility to also like push that forward too so i do that in writing and i do that in my own uh that I try to push because no matter what race you are, it's it's a it's a very challenge. It you know, takes it's a, almost a miracle when you get to do something in this business. So that's part of it. But yeah, with Michelle, especially since I love that you said that, Danielle, because when we made the movie, sometimes people when they talk about Dangerous Minds today and even back then, it, it's a controversial film because when it even yes because when it even came out there was already response to her being white like it's funny sometimes people talk now and they say oh that movie would ne never get made and oh they didn't notice that she was and it was like, like no when the movie came out there was huge criticism right and <laughs> yeah <clears throat> and the critics in these hoity-toity the most hoity-toity publications were like Michelle Pfeiffer doesn't do those kinds of movies. And even when I would say, oh, yeah, it's a film about oh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Wow, what's it about? Well, she plays the teacher. Oh, really? She never does that kind of stuff. And it was that kind of attitude, too. So there was a little bit of racism in saying that she doesn't do that kind of... When, again, we all know her, too, from Scarface and other... But, yes, but she had become this elevated like untouchable person and she's a tough woman she's a beautiful graceful woman but she was also known as an ice queen and she's a tough chippy woman she does not play and she needs to get tough she will and so that was also but all of those things and including the entire young cast we respected her for the same yeah. thing you're saying daniel we liked her and <laughs> and everybody all the tough people in that cast that were selected it was a nationwide casting most of us, like 90% came from the West Coast and New York, and they were some tough kids, and they were not actors. They were very natural, though, chosen for their talent, their spark, whatever you call it, but they were no nonsense. There were one or two times that fights almost erupted yeah. on the set because people were just, and they were flexing. They were very tough, some of them, wanting to show that they don't care where they are kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. See that in reality. You know how reality TV is, right? right. You yeah. know what I mean? And we see some of these, it was the same. Like some of them were like little Cardi B's and whatnot. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there, but Michelle held their own in that way. So in I just want to say in regard to that, there's always an exception in every situation and the, and because Michelle played it without race and because her intention as a human being went beyond that, that's what makes the film still resonate today. And it's, yeah. And there's always going to be that back and forth about the issue and the race. And so that is also interplayed in the film. That is the purpose. It's, it's also a spark of that's always going to be a point of the discussion that will make it because it's not pretty and it's also it is just a little bit of unfortunate 
that this woman ended up there and that she went in and she did that and why aren't there enough teachers of, of color or, or enough pay or all of those things that come involved in that conversation so it made it even wider and so that's all i want to say about that because it's it's interesting when people refer to it like it wasn't noticed and it was i mean definitely that movie i think i think people downplay even now the importance i mean because she was at that level and because she's a blonde white woman who was deemed beautiful and like you said kind of yes maybe ice cream but like from the perspective of everybody else maybe soft her saying yes i'm going to do this movie was one very important and two i think out of all of those kind of white teacher comes to a a school where there are black and brown people it's usually like that white savior kind of situation in different movies. I feel like in that one, it doesn't play in that same way. You really do see her struggles. You see her confused as to the inequalities between what she was used to and what was going on at this school. And it's not like, I'm going to come save all these children because like, I know better. You could tell that she really wanted to understand where these kids were coming from, understand their environment and do her best. And I think like, if I think about it, it's one of the rare movies where it has that same scenario, but it doesn't feel like white saberism. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And in your part, you talking about your different roles, it it was so important. Like if you look at hackers, it's funny now we're still having those conversations about being able to have diverse casts and we were able to have the diversity that you would see in New York because it kills me when I see movies that are supposed to be placed in New York and it's just like all all white and it's just like that is not what it looks like there. But being able to have that representation, just know that you have done so much for so many kids growing up to just see someone that looks like them and not be in a stereotypical role at that. Like you open people's minds that they can be a little bit more open of like who they are. They don't have to fit in a box, which so much happens to minorities, especially so just really wanted to say thank you for that because it's just beautiful to see. All right. Thank you so much, Danielle and Jackie. I mean, yeah, I definitely even felt when it was happening that I was stepping into a situation that was groundbreaking for me and for the rest of the community and the world to gain more perspective. That was huge. Yeah. Because, um, I, when I was doing, when I started this, there was nobody that looked like me out there, except I could look to like Lou Diamond Phillips. Mm -hmm. I'd only done something like 10 years prior and that I knew deep down was not Latino. So I still had that impression that they don't involve us. They don't feel the, the need to involve us. So then I would look prior to that and and then thought, my goodness, then I thought maybe like Elijah, Isai Morales mm-hmm. uh, or Jimmy, Jimmy Smith. But even then they were not like me because they were fit, tall, handsome, dark, tall, handsome guy. And I am 5'4 
and I am not straight. I, I didn't necessarily don't talk about, I don't think that matters, but it was a surprise. It was a blessing from God. It was an opening in the universe that I thought, holy moly, I'm, I'm playing. And it was because of my hard work and research and really a lot of emotional stuff goes on with acting that insecurities you face and then wondering if you'll ever be good enough or even if you have anything to offer. So it was crazy as a young gay kid who was considered effeminate to then become this tough, be able to be myself. It was a big thing as that LGBTQ community to be able to involve and immerse myself believably and still be who I was because I was myself like I am now on the set and everywhere. So mm -hmm. people would always be like, oh my. And then they would be like, wow, he's a real actor. Wow. Like, because I would change my voice and change little aspects of all of that. But that helped, like you say. So when it happened, I knew that this was a break from God and people too that were, there were enough changing enough to involve people like me in an opening. So yeah, I'm so grateful that I was able to be a part of that and that I still feel like I'm a part of that today and that we are seeing more and more. So, yeah. Do you go to any of the conventions now? I mean, there seems to be so many more popping up, especially like from the 90s, the old, loving the 90s nostalgia right now. Have you done any conventions yet or... Yeah, I haven't done, like, you mean Comic-Con and, and different things like yeah, that? there's just so yeah. many. There was 90s Con last year. That was the first year they had that one. So there's just different ones popping up, but yeah. Yeah, I am looking more into getting involved in that more when the pandemic happened that's like when i was like having people approach me and get to get the ball rolling and then it was that kind of through things and but i am into doing that and i will eventually like whenever i get invited to something i'm definitely open and out there to do it and yeah well speaking of the pandemic how did you keep your creative juices flowing it was just such a very strenuous time for everybody but i can imagine as a performer kind of just being s stuck in the house it kind of you, i'm sure you had to find ways to keep it your juices flowing yes it was served it served my work in that way because i was working on a musical that i was completing and i was also working on a sequel to one of my films which i probably can't shouldn't evolve yet on my okay. own so i was like oh my god yeah like thinking oh so i really needed to be alone i needed to like really really i did a lot of thinking during that period and creating it was like so it was used um in a productive way but it was hard it was hard because i do live alone i thank god i have two dogs and a cat <laughs> and and i got the cat just last year i was with my dog most of the time and but that's what it was like and i'm so grateful that we're all here and that we made it because, absolutely yeah yeah, I, I think even for Jackie and I were just, I mean, we even started this podcast. We were, we didn't do it in the, the heart, like the beginning of it, but we started watching movies and talking and we're just like, how do we have something that brings us joy? Because, you know, we we're just trying to keep our spirits uplifted. And so we did the podcast and the great thing is that it bonds us in our friendship, but it's been able to bring joy to other people. And it's really nice to see here, like people bonding with us about the movies we talk about and 
liking our friendship. It's just, it's a, a little weird <laughs> because we're not used to it, but it's, it's been, it's been fantastic. And we've been able to meet people like you. So it's just, it's been a blessing in such a, that spawned from a dark time, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, do you have any other projects that you're working on that you can or would like to shout out? We'd love for our audience to hear what you're up to and also shout out your social pages so that they can follow you and keep up to date with everything. Oh yeah. Thank you. Well, I do have some projects in the works that are feature films and television and theater. So I'm looking forward to getting those rolling this year. And the musical is called The Mystic. Okay. And yes, and I'm working with a composer on the music already. The book is written and and some other feature film stuff. And I, I'm excited. I've got also new acting representation and writing representation. So that's something, and I've never had that. It's hard to get representation for writing too. And so I'm excited to see where that goes. And it's the beginning of the year. So we'll see what productions and auditions come along. And I'm excited. I'm very excited. And I'm also recording music too. I got some music coming. So it's a lot of plans in the air. Well, that is so exciting. One, you have to, when the musical is ready to go, let us know. We will go to New York. We will, we will. go and see it. So, oh, oh, I would love it. Thank <laughs> you. Yes. And then my social media on Instagram, it's Renoli Santiago. On Twitter, it's The Real Renoli. And that's pretty much it. Follow me out there. Yes, I would love it. And you can keep updated with everything. I also have an autograph website that i should mention because we're, we get a lot of cool requests and that's a great way to interact and get autographs from me and you send stuff for like posters i can sign them and i sign discs from like little floppy discs like hackers and that site is called phantomfreak.com oh yeah. i love so, it yes it's so <laughs> fun i have like a box of autographs and stuff i gotta send out like that came today like they just keep i was approached by this wonderful gentleman that does websites and, and creating things and all and he pitched it and I was like why not and it's been beautiful it's the way that I did not expect so much interaction and I thank you all so yeah phantomfreak.com and and then I also have one other which is my t-shirt site I have my own personal designs oh. and yeah that you can also check out it's renolynyc.com okay R-E- yeah, R-E-N-O-L-Y-N-Y-C.com. So those are my sites, and thank you so much. And as always, guys, you. you can check us out at No More Late Fees on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. And we just have to thank you so much for just spending this time with us. We loved every second of it. Absolutely. And you're always welcome back. If you have any more stories you want to come tell us, we, we're happy to have you. Thank, oh, thank you. you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. And be kind and rewind. <laughs> <laughs>